cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. Yeah, he's he's done. Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Bill. Just a dirty old sponge, and it's worked. The sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Welcome to the very first episode of the Magic Sponge Podcast, the miracle cure for all of your rugby league injury issues. Uh, look, my name's Brian Sini. Uh, most of you guys know me as the person behind the NRL Physio social media pages. Uh, look, I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a while, uh, been a bit to and fro on it, but I've decided to jump in. Look, while it's fairly saturated at the moment, the podcast market, there's, look, simply there's no one covering the information that I do in rugby league, I think, or, or really in Australian sport at this stage. So, uh, yeah, wanted to get on and, and give you guys some good information on injuries week in, week out. Now, look, to save us all from just listening to me talk to myself, I, I thought I had to get a co-host on board who loves footy as much as me and has a similar knowledge base surrounding these injuries so we can sort of talk on the same level. So we studied physio at uni together over 10 years ago and, and we still chat every week about the footy and different injury situations that pop up in the NRL. Uh, this guy will also bring a bit of uh, super coach expertise to the show, which, uh, you know, is greatly appreciated. So it's a big introduction to all the listeners and a warm welcome to James Kurtz. How are you, mate? Yeah, really good, Brian. Thanks for having me on this year. It's going to be a ripper. I'm looking forward to it heaps. Um, and I guess for, for everyone there, a bit of a this is my life for me, I guess. I describe myself as a footy fan first and a physio second because that's that's how it was for me, I think, growing up. I was somebody who always loved rugby league. I, I was, you know, dad was born in Chinchilla in the Western Downs. Um, Mum was born in Ipswich, which are pretty diehard footy areas. And um so maybe it's my blood, maybe it's a bit of fate there. But, um, you know, I remember growing up in the early 90s as a mad, mad, mad Broncos fan. And, you know, if we were well-behaved, we'd be able to watch the Friday Night Footy with Dad and be set up with that. And, you know, things that even early memories is watching the 92 Grand Final and, you know, those iconic Broncos teams running around and just destroying destroying the competition there. And um, I guess I, I sort of played a lot of underage footy growing up until I got to uni with yourself, Brian. So I guess I started playing footy for the Mitchell Magpies, funnily enough, which is a tiny little town outside of Roma. So I sort of started playing when I was six and and I was just hooked straight away. And it's still still like that to this day. I still love the game. I love what it's about. I love every, all the drama associated with it. And, and I guess, you know, like I said before, played a lot of underage footy through to Nambour up until I went to university in Brisbane where I, I guess I crossed paths with yourself. And I guess, um, you know, we lived together for a couple of years, did the same physio degree and obviously had the same interests outside of uni. So we spent a fairly decent amount of time together. And um, I guess for people who haven't met Brian or know him very well, he's extremely modest for one, but you'd also be the captain coach of the Good Blokes 13, Brian. I'd, I'd say you're someone this is who why I got is you on, really, mate. really good to talk footy with. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, and I think um, it's good as well for me because I'm a physio based in a hospital. So I've got a bit of a different caseload to what you would see. And I think in the team that I work in in the hospital, we, we don't have a team that sort of talks footy or talks sport very often. So I think the podcast is a nice one because it combines our sort of 10-year professional physio experience with, um, I guess, footy knowledge as well and just an eager eye watching the game. So um, again, and, and like you talked about with Supercoach, Brian, I think um, something I've always loved dabbling in on the side as well, probably a bit more of a deep dive in the dabble. Uh, a few top 1,000 finishes in standard and um, – 
I think you might remember this story. It's a it's a tough luck story, but it's one I liked sharing because it was just a massive stitch up. Was um it was all the way back in 2014. I don't know if you remember it, but I came second overall in the weekly prize because Jury Lowe scored two <laughs> tries for a sniper team um, that entered that team on a weekly. So I had a, I had a pretty good team that year, and. I remember thinking to you and saying to you, I was like, oh, mate, I might be in the money here. I might be in the money. And then I think I ended up losing out by like sort of eight or nine points or something like that because Jury Lowe of all people, mate. I think he scored six tries in his top grade career. He a got Jury two on that Lowe week story. And, and cost me a bit. And yeah. To kick yeah, off the Jury podcast, Lowe got a double. couldn't get any better. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Very, very niche story about Jury Lowe for those who can remember that far back from um, Canberra and Bulldogs fame. but. Yeah, Drew cost me a few few dollars back that day. So shout out to Drew if you're listening, even though he's probably not. But um, yeah, that sums me up, mate. I'm I'm really excited for the year ahead, and um, I reckon we get stuck into the Magic Sponge podcast, hey? Absolutely, mate. I think um, look, you know, it's a good intro to all the to the listeners to yourself. I think you know anybody who follows me, particularly on Twitter, knows um, you know my where my allegiances lie. In that the Dolphins coming in next year. I, I was born and bred in Redcliffe. Uh, grew up, you know, watching, loving the Dolphins. Those you know teams around o two o three. Aaron Barber just scoring like thirty tries in a season. That was uh, sign me up to Aaron Barber. Yeah, oh, mate. That oh, was that was where rugby league really grew for me. Uh, Moved up to Gympie in my later years and up the Devils, uh, you know, the mighty Gympie Devils. And, uh, yeah, looking looking forward to the Dolphins coming in next year. So, so look, let's get stuck into the pod, really. Um, look, uh, just a quick explainer. This, we're, we're aiming for this to be your weekly one-stop shop for all things injury analysis in the NRL. So anybody who follows me know, knows what we provide, but we want to dive into it a little bit deeper here. We're going to aim to release it sort of the morning after the final game of the week. Um, so this week we'll obviously be recording uh, Monday night for a Tuesday uh, release, but hopefully going forward next weekend might be a bit of a funny one with a long weekend. But sort of for the rest of the season, aiming for that recording Sunday night, come out Monday morning. So for your drives to work on Monday, you can dive into the injuries and get like a little early sort of insight into what's going to happen for the week. Uh, we'll give you our take on the in-game injuries from the round just gone, review the big injury and rehab news from those already in the casualty ward, and then talk through the implications of like certain injuries on things like recovery time, performance, super coach scoring, those kind of things. Uh, so look, it's worth mentioning if you find yourself getting value out of this content. So you know, if you if you think it's you're appreciating sort of the stuff that we're saying, it's really only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the in depth info that we'll put out there each week. Um, but we we do most of that over on Patreon.com/slash/NRLphysio. Um, so that's where you'll get access to the best NRL casualty ward on the internet. So every single player covered in detail, uh, detailed write ups. So I do deep dives into you know certain injuries, how that's going to affect scoring and everything is always related back to how that could influence performance and therefore super coach or fantasy scoring which is i know a lot of what you know people value my information for so look we'll have an uh, you know a uh, question and answer segment on here each week and those questions will only come from patrons as well so look if you're in the position to join it's only five bucks a month um you'll get Heaps of heaps of info. I know everybody who's joined there seems uh, so far seems to you know really value the information that's there. So yeah, if you're listening along and you 
think um, this is what you what you value and you want more, uh, jump on over there and, and take a look. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, we're going to be talking about bad news a lot on here, pretty much. You know, injuries is not a whole lot of good news, but uh, hopefully we'll make it as uh, as lighthearted as possible. And um, yeah, James, look, uh, let's get stuck into our game by game injury wrap. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. Well, he shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. Good stuff. Well, let's um, make a start to the round seven injury wrap, Brian. So first game of the week was Cronulla Sharks versus Manly Seagulls. So out of that game, Andrew Davey looked like a shoulder AC joint injury. Really difficult with the AC joints, mate. I think it's always hard to get a gauge on the grading of those AC joint injuries. And obviously on the lower side, it'll be a fairly short absence there, but on the higher side can be longer. Um, the other concerns from that game were Taniela Paseca with an MCL injury. That looked fairly high grade and potentially serious. Um, Dylan Walker and Will Kennedy were the other two injury concerns from that game. What was your take on that game? Yeah, mate. Look, Andrew Davey, I think, uh, look, one of the unluckiest guys in the NRL. I mean, you know, he, he took so long to debut, yeah. came in, did his knee, uh, been out for so long, worked really, really hard, and he's come back. Look, thankfully, with our AC joints, they're not generally long-term injuries, even those sort of higher-grade ones. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're mostly considered a pain management issue. Uh, the guys will needle them up pretty successfully. Look, he did look in a fair bit of discomfort and came off, you know, pretty heavily, like, holding the arm. Look, yeah, as you say, it's hard to tell severity from that kind of thing, but the fact that he was in that much discomfort probably suggests you're looking at a grade two, grade three. They're usually going to be about two to four weeks and guys are going to struggle a little bit when they do come back just because of that increased risk of aggravation. If they cop a blow to the same shoulder, uh, you know, that can aggravate it. They can need to go off and, and get another injection and that kind of thing. The one that I was most concerned about from this uh, game, though, was that Paseca um, MCL, as you, as you noted. Look, it did. It looked traumatic. Um, MCLs, you can usually get a fair idea of how you know how bad MCLs are by how traumatic that sort of injury is. How big the dip in is of the uh, of the knee when it gets contacted from the outside. And yeah, Paseca's just looked really, really nasty. It was, it's quite a significant yeah. kind of what we call valgus force. That's where the knee collapses inwards. So look, he he'd be looking at I think at least three to four weeks. He'd be real glad if he got away with three to four. Four weeks, I think more. It's sort of looking, yeah, even further north than that. Dylan Walker and Will Kennedy, you can probably talk about these two together in that they both sort of came in with concerns that they've been carrying for a few weeks. Uh, look, neither of them seem to, you know, I think Dylan Walker, it's about the fourth or third or fourth time that he's aggravated that knee injury this season. Um, you know, he's kind of gone off clutching at the same yeah. knee, came into it heavily strapped. So with these ones, there's no, look, we're going to be very lucky if we get any indication from the clubs as to what kind of injury they're carrying. But it just means for implications moving forward, it it just means both of them are sort of an increased risk of in-game aggravation. Um, They've obviously both suffered it here. They may require a week or two off to sort of let it settle down. Uh, but yeah, like a like a Will Kennedy, I think you know, um, for you know, super coach purposes and stuff like that, it is a bit of an interesting situation because if he needs a week or two off, or if he cops one, you know, in the in the middle of the game, then Nico Hines has got to go back there and stuff like that. So, how like how do you feel about Nico? You know, with that kind of hovering over Kennedy, I think Nico will still rip. He's just 
playing unbelievable footy, isn't he? I think the concern with Nico was going to the Sharks and is he going to be the same player he was at the Storm? But he's just on, on a tear, he's isn't he? He's just that. proven that um, the Broncos dropped the ball there massively by giving him a bit of a low ball offer by all reports through the media. So I don't think it'll affect Tinko Hines' output. If anything, it might even be positive if he's just getting you know some of those kick return meters potentially. I think the other thing you, you may have mentioned too there was the you know the need for rest or just management. Sometimes those short turnaround weeks are a little bit tricky in, in these situations, especially the five-day turnarounds where you see some guys, they just need that extra sort of day or two with the soft tissue injuries to sort of back up. So that can be, I guess, a consideration if you if you know you've got someone on a five-day turnaround, you know, are they going to be right in that point of time um, compared to if they had sort of a six- or seven-day turnaround? Because it can, things can change quite significantly in even that 24, 40-hour window from a soft tissue point of view. You see people... You know, a good example is like people going through state of origin camp where they're not quite right by the time origin rolls around, but sometimes they're all right to to play on the weekend, on the Saturday or the Sunday if they miss the Wednesday. So um, I think that'd be something to keep an eye on as well if you've got someone on a short week nursing these sort of things. Um, we'll move on to the second game then, hey, mate. I think um, Broncos and Bulldogs was next. And um, the concerns from that was Payne Haas, which, which hard to tell from the video exactly, but it looks like an AC joint injury again. And and that happened quite early on in the game, but then he um, remarkably sort of pumped out a really, really good game as Payne Haas does. He's just one of the premier front rowers, isn't he? Um, and Luke Thompson was the other concern there with a knee injury. Do you have any more detail on either of those blokes, what, what we should expect sort of in the short short term there? Yeah, mate. Payne Haas, I, I look to give everyone, a, I guess, a peek behind the curtain of um, you know what goes on in my brain with uh, injury analysis watching the game. Uh, I saw that, and I did not think AC joint one little bit. Uh, <laughs> it didn't look like an AC joint mechanism. That opening hit up, he, he took all the, all the force through his right shoulder, um, and his left shoulder seemed to get sort of lifted up above his head and kind of dropped down, you know, not, not really on the tip of the shoulder, which is, you know, typical for those AC joint injuries. So I was kind of watching going, oh, God, is he subluxed his shoulder? That's the shoulder that he had reconstructed in 2018. Look, I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't like to jump the gun. I'll, I'll hold back and sort of see how they manage it and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, look, out uh, back out he came after a needle. They're, they're sort of saying a, a grade one AC joint at this stage, uh, which, you know, uh, gives you gives you a bit of insight, I guess, that the video doesn't always match what's going on. So that's why, you know, I'm never claiming to diagnose players or anything like that, just analysing uh, the things that go on on the screen. But, look, I, I think everyone's going to be, you know, pretty concerned about this one because Haas is obviously a big player. He's, he's probably high owned in a lot of different uh, fantasy and super coach comps. I'm not really concerned about this too much. Uh, I know with Davey, I sort of said that guys can be limited in their, you know, in their function. There is a slight increased risk of aggravation, but it is supposedly minor at this stage. That's the last we heard. So they hadn't had scans yet, but they're usually pretty accurate in their assessments of that. So He'll have a slight increased risk of, of aggravation in game. But look, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding in how he performed the other night. I mean, he, he had it fresh, he got it injected, and then, as you said, came out and pumped out a really good game and didn't seem to be too affected by it. So you give him a week, um, you know, to treat that, to settle it down, the physios and, and medical staff to get stuck into it. I don't think it'll be too much of a concern yep. provided that it stays that grade one. Uh, Luke Thompson, I oh, haven't got much 
much here for us, unfortunately. This is purely based off a, a tweet from uh, Gus Gould, uh, RIP me for being blocked by him, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, thankfully got passed on that he's getting scans on a knee injury. I didn't notice anything yeah, in-game. Unlucky. But, yeah, not not really sure what's going on there, unfortunately. Yeah, good call. I think um, oh, I wouldn't add any sort of extra comment on what you've just sort of talked about there. I, I agree with you about Payne Haas probably being on the on the lower end of risk there. So we'll, we'll go on to the Cowboys versus Titans. I think the only injury concern we've got listed here is Jamin Jolliffe with a calf injury. Um, have you heard any sort of word on potential severity there or weeks that he might be looking at missing? Yeah, look, it didn't look – he did come off, you know, not not too comfortably, uh, but it didn't look anything, you know, like a like a eight- to ten-week injury or something like that, which we've seen with some of the high-grade calves in the past. Uh, hopefully just a minor one. Look, calves, calves are tough to tell the severity of just off, off video, so I won't sort of, you know, go too specifically on, on what we'd expect just off the video. The one thing I will say about calves in general is that even if you get the initial, so, you know, say the, uh, the Titans say, look, we're expecting two to four weeks, calves are known for lingering symptoms. So so where a hammy might be known for, for high ring injury rate, um, you know, 10 to 30%, that kind of thing. Uh, with calves, they're just notorious for guys getting to like 80, 90% through their rehab and tightness won't go away or, or weakness won't go away or I've still got a little bit of pain and then that two weeks turns into three weeks, turns into yeah. five weeks. Well, you've got to play bigger weeks. minutes one week, for example, and you can stir it up or flare it up. And I think, you know, even probably going to an extreme there, but I think from memory, Christian Welsh was probably playing bigger minutes in, in round one than he routinely did or usually did. And obviously he had a flown Achilles tear, but um, the, the risk is certainly there with high minutes as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I think, um, yeah, look, the big thing with him is just watch out for an extended recovery. So there might be a, an opportunity if somebody comes in, um, you know, for a bit of an extended run there off the bench. Yeah, good shout. Um, next game on the on the slate there, mate, was the Tigers versus Rabbitohs. Just a really good game, actually. Um, and a few big concerns come out of here. I'm not too sure of the fantasy implications of the first one, which would be Dane Laurie's looking like a moderate-grade MCL. And I think the reports came out today for a four- to six-week absence to expect there. So he must have been sort of that grade two or, yeah, probably grade two yeah. range, really, with that duration of time out. And I'm not too sure who the next man up at fullback is there for the Tigers, to be honest. So um, uh, I think Stafford Toa, they were saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. that'd be interesting. I, I'd certainly be having a look there if I was um, that way inclined from a fantasy point of view. Um, the other concerns, there was a few concerns here. I think Ken Mamale with a knee, he sort of seems like he's been hobbled for the last few weeks, hasn't he? It almost, I don't know if he's had yeah. sort of a knee injury or a like a thigh cork type injury there, but Ken just hasn't looked like he's been at full fitness for me for a couple of weeks, um, almost a bit laboured in, in some of his sprinting efforts there a little bit. And, and I don't think that's a an effort thing. I think it's just he's, he looks like he's just a bit banged up. Um, Jacob Post was a shoulder dislocation, which was relocated in the shed. So he'll be waiting for scans to determine that duration of time that he will be out for. And Hame Sele was a concussion concern. Tavita Toller and Liam Knight were both knocks from a shoulder and leg perspective, which don't look like serious injuries. Um, what about if we get your take on these things, Brian? What did you What did you see from Dane Laurie's perspective to start off with? 
Yeah, look, Laurie, four to six weeks is what they're expecting at the moment. That's pretty much if I could have planted my flag anywhere on the night. That's where I was heading. Um, yeah, it just looked moderate. I, I was pretty hopeful that it didn't collapse enough to completely tear the MCL, but it did seem more than just a minor. I know they kind of, I think um, Madge McGuire came out and said, oh, yeah, hopefully two weeks in the post-match. I would have been quite surprised at that because usually mm-hmm. when you get heavy contact like there was with Laurie, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna at least face that three to four weeks with a moderate grade, like a partial tear of the MCL. Uh, look, low re-injury risk with those kind of ones. They, it takes contact, right? Like I think it's about eighty-five to ninety percent of MCL injuries are contact related. So look, yeah, it's just bad luck, really. If you just cop a blow in the same spot, it's not something you could really put it down to. Performance-wise, look, you know, uh, an outside back does like to change directions. So Laurie, maybe might. Finally, might be a little bit um, hesitant, change of direction when he comes back. But look, these guys usually come back pretty well, so I'm not too concerned about him. Uh, Host was the other big one, as you said, like that uh, shoulder dislocation. Look, anyone who follows me will have seen my post. Uh, the The big thing with like shoulder dislocations is not a straightforward. Oh, yeah, he's dislocated his shoulder. This is what you know, the prognosis is going to be, this is our treatment protocol. They're going to do scans. They're also going to do a lot of hands-on assessments as well. So they're going to put him through a whole lot of different positioning uh, over the next, you know, couple of days to a week to see does that shoulder, you know, does it seem stable? Is it staying in its socket? Is it more likely to slip back out again? Because they've got to make a decision. They're either going to go with rehab for sort of that three to six week period try and stabilise that shoulder by strengthening the muscles around the shoulder joint and and let him play out the rest of the season, usually with surgery at some point in the postseason. Uh, and we saw that with, like, Nathan Cleary last year. But, uh, you know, if, if it's bad enough, if the damage is, yeah. is really, really nasty, um, they're, they're, sometimes they just need to do the, the reco straight away. So... It's going to be a bit of a 50-50 proposition. I always find with those, you just you just don't know um, which way they're going to go. Uh, look, Mamalo with his knee, I think that's the other one worth mentioning. Uh, look, it, it, a bit like the guys earlier in Kennedy, um, it, it, just carrying something. You know, he, he's had that knee heavily strapped for the last three, four weeks. Whether And once again, we haven't got much from the Tigers, but whether he's dealing with like a minor PCL injury or, or you know, a, a cartilage issue or something like that, it just seems like he's probably not going to be 100%. Look, he's still scoring fairly well because the, um, you know, the Tigers have been on a bit of a red hot streak. Uh but yeah, yeah. He's, he's been fed a bit there on the left wing as mm. well. You're right. He's he's still scoring me well, but he just doesn't quite have um I guess the the carry numbers like he has had in the past and, and the tackle breaks like he has had in the past. So he just, just looks yeah, not quite a full. You're just gonna have to rely on him scoring a few fall over tries, I think. So, you know, mm. it's he's not someone I'd look at. And look with the other ones. Hame Saleh with his concussion, just going to have to wait and see how he passes through the the protocols. I did a big um, uh, a big look at the, what the stats say with concussions over on Patreon, uh, looking into, you know, look, every, every concussion's different. So you've just got to treat it, um, you know, treat it individually and see how he progresses. And then, yeah, to Toller and Knight, not much to say there, just knocks for the moment. And then I guess we've just got to wait and see what comes out of uh, scans earlier in the week. Yep. Good summary. I don't think there'd be anything else I want to add on top of that. Knights versus Eels was the next game up, and Brody Jones was an elbow injury. And then Heimel Hunt was the other one probably worth mentioning. He came through the reserve grade game, and I think he had a 
I can't really determine if it was a jaw injury or an eye socket fracture. Um, but Brody Jones is probably the, the one to talk about the most because the Knights have been a bit decimated on the edge, haven't they, Brian? They've sort of lost a few second rowers uh, to fairly significant injuries. So in terms of Brody Jones and his prognosis there, what was your take on his injury? Mate, I think the the injury slash suspension curse in the NRL is is a fight between the Eels left wing and the edge players for for the Knights because these guys yeah, are dropping like out, flies. Yeah. Man, um, look, I, I picked up Brody Jones in a few draft leagues and, and I thought he was a really red-hot shout, um, you know, with the, the absences to Fitzgibbon and... Um, and then Barnett copped his suspension and those kind of things. Even Frizzell's been a bit banged up. So, look, like Brody Jones, he did suffer the injury early, um, got strapped up and then played through till midway through the second half. Uh, there's some talk of a dislocated elbow. I, the video wasn't great. It didn't show much, unfortunately. So, look, with a dislocated elbow, they, they usually aren't as long as you think. Like, you, you hear a dislocated shoulder and, you, as I said, you know, surgery can be the case and, and season over that kind of thing that's not going to be the case with an elbow the worst case scenario is he's got like a little fracture in there because that'd be at least six weeks but if, if it's a dislocation without a fracture usually guys are strapping it up and coming back at around that three to four week mark uh so look uh, hopefully it's just a knock hopefully he he didn't cop much um and he and he's back in the next week or two but if it is if those rumors are true and it is a dislocation he's probably going to miss at least a couple of weeks just to let that settle down uh, Heimel Hunt, look, we didn't see anything in terms of the vision, but the reports are a possible facial fracture, whether it be jaw or eye socket, usually looking at least four to six weeks for those kind of things to allow adequate bone healing. So, yeah, just less, <laughs> less, um, you know. Hopefully not surgery in his case. So you always feel for the for the people that have to go through, you know, surgery for those sort of injuries because oh, it would just be horrific. And he just got back, just got back from, you know, PCL injury yeah. and, the, you know, yeah, another one who's bugger. suffering a, an injury in his first game back. So, yeah, and just yeah hopefully. And I think um, just going back to Brody Jones, you made a really good point about the, um, I guess, with the elbow, you, you don't have the same sort of degree of dynamic instability as you would at a shoulder. And I, I think when you when you look at a lot of the dislocations that happen at an elbow, um a lot of them do result in in fractures around that sort of joint. So it'll be interesting to see what um, scan results sort of say. But if there's if he's clear of fractures, which isn't common, but um can can be the case. Um, hope you know you, a lot of times if you if you just let it settle and you do the right strengthening for it, and obviously the passive stability of the stra- strapping that we put on it, he he might be looking at like you said a three or four week absence. There, I think you've you've nailed that bang on. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I think um, I think that's definitely the concern at this stage. Righto. So next game was the Panthers and Raiders, and we didn't have any sort of major concerns that I could ascertain from that. Um, so we might just bypass the Panthers and Raiders and move on to the Roosters versus the Dragons because there's a couple here that were um, of big concern, and you feel for the Dragons because they just got a, a good win and they've lost two of their um, better players and better performing players. Um, Jack Bird was a forearm fracture. Hard again to tell the exact severity of the fracture and I guess the location of the fracture. It looks like he's sort of distal, distal radius fracture just pinned in against his body there in a contact sort of mechanism. Um, and then Jaden Sewell was obviously in a high ankle sprain as well from a, um, I think Jared Warrior Hargraves sort of fell on the outside part of his ankle and just had that sort of fairly classic forced eversion mechanism there. Um, any any sort of word on updates from those two, Brian, from from here? I guess it's only, these games have only just been played because of recording on the Sunday night regardless. Yeah, Bird, Bird, they're looking 
like not real favorably on. Uh, he was in a sling post match. Um, there's even a story just came out before um, in the Sydney Morning Herald about you know his contract situation and that kind of thing, having to you know the pressure that this puts on it. So yeah, forearm bones they're funny, man. Like you, you can see guys, and you know we've seen guys come back in as little as kind of four to six weeks for these for these kind of fractures. You'd say the average is probably in that six to eight week, but just depending on that, there's just certain areas in the radius in particular where like guys will miss a fair bit of time, um, and and probably one guy who I, who comes to mind is Edric Lee he missed about ten to twelve weeks, yeah. um, you know, a couple of seasons ago. There's just a few areas in the radius that don't heal all that well. They cop a fair bit of a brunt. Uh, a fair bit of force in the footy, so it's it's just one. I, I'm always less confident, sort of, you know, putting a post out, being like, you know, most fractures. If it's a hand fracture, it's usually going to be three to four weeks, right? They'll they'll pin it up, and away you go. Um, you know, like different different fractures at different places. You can you can be pretty confident in the time frames with this one. Like, yeah, I, I just find with forearm fractures can be four to six weeks, can be ten to twelve weeks, um, which I know probably doesn't yeah. help a lot of people. But uh, look, I, like I I think at least missing a month, but potentially two to three, depending on where the specific location is. And then yeah, Jaden Sewer with that Cindy. Um, the one thing I'll say about syndesmosis injuries is the um, yeah the severity it can be all over the place. Like I, I've seen countless guys, and I've said this that many times in different things that I've been on. Mm. Like you know we, we've had I, I think I could you know almost name ten to twelve guys who have suffered syndesmosis injuries in games, finished the game, you know played out the game on a on an injury that then required syndesmosis repair surgery, and um, yeah. you know and, and and you're just like, how does that happen? And yet other guys who've gone off, you know, in a whole heap of pain and it's come back, oh, it's just a, you know, grade one medial um, medial ankle sprain or something like that. So I, I just find the severity really, really tough to read. Look, I, I, this one, it was really traumatic. Um, so when there's trauma, and when I say traumatic, just for everyone listening, when I'm talking about trauma, I'm talking about, you know, the amount of weight, the, the, the speed of the force that's coming down on that ankle or on whatever. And you know, the contact is. mechanism is what you're talking about rather than just the body weight mechanism, yeah. for example. 100%. Because you can get just get twisted, right? Uh, but, yeah, the yeah. the traumatic nature Kills here on. just, yeah, pretty nasty. So I, I'd say he'd be looking at at least, uh, you know, a moderate-grade sprain and potentially longer. But, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what the scan results come back with. Yeah, the forearm practice, like you mentioned before, which Jack Berger, an interesting one. I think your classic one that you see in different populations is like the, the fracture of the radius right down near the wrist. So those classic distal radius fractures from a forward on an outstretched hand is a really classic mechanism there. But I almost wonder with Jack Bird if he's more like that sort of mid-shaft radial fracture. It just looked like where Suwali sort of hit him shoulder-wise. If it's mid-shaft, I think a lot of a lot more times they end up in, in oris and pin plates. So might be one to watch because I think Edric Lees was a mid-shaft fracture, which, again, as you mentioned, I think have poorer healing rates than the distal radiuses, for example. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of comes out. Hopefully for Jack Bird, it's on the sort of the, the lower end of the severity and um, he's he's got an undisplaced fracture there that he can manage non-operatively and get back to footy ASAP. Um, 
Yeah, I think that would probably be the only other thing I'd add in about um, Jackie Bird there. But um, we'll go into the Warriors and the Storm, hey, because this game is currently running while we're recording. So apologies if we missed the last little bit of the game and there's Jeez, been a major mate, injury you, concern we're, we're come missing, out of that. But... We're missing an injury to the Warriors at the moment because the Storm, we, we started recording at about the, uh, well, about the 45th, 50th minute. And the storm have since run in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tries. Xavier Coates has got four. You're right. <laughs> oh, good. So yeah, we we're uh, we're missing a carve up. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, I, the thing. Uh, you, you love and hate the storm, don't you? I guess there's a diehard Bronx fan, mate. I just <laughs> I look at what they do and how they grow their own, and they just play awesome footy. They really, really do. Like. You know, I think if you're a one-eyed storm hater, you've got to have some appreciation for how they um, construct things and, you know, some of their set players, just just how disciplined they are. They're just a good team to watch. Anyway, that's just me on my... That's what the Dolphins are aiming there. for, mate. Just uh, replicate well, by, all the, by yeah, all the Storm boys. You've got, you got a few of the elderly Storm boys up there for you guys soon, so I'm sure they'll bring the magic back in oh, their mid-30s. Course. Yeah, of course. You'd, you'd think, so. wouldn't you? Yeah, no, no calf or hamstring concerns at the Dolphins next year at all. Yeah, yeah, no soft tissue stuff at all. Wayne, Wayne will have a fit, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> You'll be ready to rock and roll up there. Righto. So in terms of the Storm Warriors game, I think um, Nelson Soft-Solmona was um, a concern about a hamstring injury, but he actually returned to the game. Um, Remy Smith with a HIA, and I, again, like you said before, because of the time that we're recording, I don't know if he returned or didn't or if he was ruled out. And probably the only other one of concern there was Josh Curran, where he had a it looked like a lower leg injury. It's hard to tell whether it's an ankle syndesmosis or an MCL injury. He, he sort of had a fairly decent lateral force to his leg. Um, and any sort of more detail you can give us about that, Brian? Or it might be a wait and see just because of the time we're recording, I think. Yeah, look, um, I think Remus Smith... Just glancing at the at the timesheet here, it doesn't look like he's returned. Uh, he copped a pretty hard one to the head. Um, there's been a few of those not sent to Sidbin uh, today, which has been a bit weird um, considering what they've done in the past. But, uh, yes, it doesn't look like he's returned. So hopefully no facial fracture. He was kind of holding his face um, there. So that's probably one to look out for. And then he'll just have to pass through the protocols. Uh, Nelson Asofa Solomon, he returned. So hopefully all good. Look, Curran's the concern. Look, looking at the mechanism... As you mentioned, the, the those ones where you get the lateral force, so in other words, the player gets hit on the outside of their leg and it turns, it, it does two things. It, it dips the knee in and it turns the foot to the outside. So there are two big ones for MCL injuries to the knee and syndesmosis injuries to the ankle. So they often go hand in hand. Uh, look, looking at that one, it did seem to me that his knee took more of the force. Uh, so I'd be leaning more towards a potential MCL injury there. Um, I haven't had enough of a, a look at it to be able to tell, um, you know, or be able to give you much on expected severity at this stage. Um, look, it won't usually be, be like this. Usually we'll have watched all the games, had some good time to sort of sit down and, and, and summarise it on a Sunday night. Uh, so this is just a one-off um, where we haven't had a lot of time to do it. But yeah, I'd be looking out for an MCL injury there. I, I, w- I will say I'd be surprised if he gets away with like, you know, a week or two. You know, he had to almost be sort of, you know, helped off the field and stuff like that, which is is never an ideal sign. So I think guys, uh, yeah, look, might um, yeah, they might, might be in a bit of trouble for, for a multi-week absence for Curran, unfortunately. 
yeah, well, fingers crossed it's not for him because he's a uh, he's a good player to watch. Josh Curran isn't he? Something about him is always is always opportunity there he creates. But he's he's a good footballer, good footballer. Right, I think that's round seven in the books, Brian. So the next segment that we have as part of the Magic Sponge podcast is the Patreon Q and A. So as Brian mentioned earlier, you can. If you follow him on patreon.com forward slash NRL physio, you can submit your questions to him to get more in-depth answers um, to the Patreon directly. But as part of the Q&A that we'll do each week, we'll, we'll source those questions via Patreon. So um, like we said before, like Brian said before, it's a sort of a $5 subscription there per month. But obviously the, the content you're going to get here is for free through the podcast you listen to. So if you want to get around him on Patreon, use the internet or go patreon.com forward slash NRL physio. So what I might do, Brian, is I might spit some questions your way. Hey, how's it sound? Let's do it, mate. I'm ready to roll. Righto. So first one from Patreon was, we've seen the video, but how did Jason Tamalolo not come off for a HIA <laughs> in that tackle in the Cowboys game? Uh, it's a good one to start. Uh, look, the one thing I will say about concussion is it's a tough one to tell on video, um, you know, like what we're looking at versus what a medical person is looking at. There can be, you know, different things that they assess on the field that, you know, they might have, you know, whatever, they, they might be having vision issues because they got poked in the eye or things like that. I did, In saying that, I did think this one was pretty clear um, in terms of it should have come off. It, like it, even if you're not saying there are any Category 1 symptoms and Category 1 is, is that immediate rule out for the game so things like losing you know, like unsteadiness on their feet knocked unconscious those kind of things um you could argue that there was suspicion of those things happening which is a category two uh particularly and and i mean the the blow was bad enough he copped a really hard hit to the face his eyes did seem to go in different ways after that and look, that's the obvious part, but if you actually go back and watch, which I did and, and, and kind of was like, am I seeing things here? But he, when he hops up after the, he stumbles, he, he, he kind of stumbles yeah, to the you, side. You nailed it, yeah. Oh, two, two or three steps to the side. And I, like, I was like, hell, yep. that was the thing for me. I'm like, you, you can cop a blow in the face and, and get up fresh as a daisy and be like, no, nah, I'm sweet. Like, you know, and, and almost try and fool everyone that, nah, you're all good. But he hopped up and, 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 and almost, yeah, like stepped to the side, stepped in the wrong direction. And I thought that was clear as day. So, look, I, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, you know, the independent docs have looked at it, the Cowboys docs have looked at it and, and thought it's all good. So we'll always defer to those guys. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, I as as a punter sitting at home um, with a relatively good understanding of what they're looking for, uh, I was surprised it didn't come off. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think... Um think that the challenge it's going to face is is we're going to have some probably episodes like this that people will disagree with or will look bad in retrospect. But I think this is just going to be something that the game's just got to accept might be a little bit inconsistent from time to time. I think the, the premise of it is still good. And I think player welfare is, you know, of the utmost importance. But I think that there will be the odd episode here and there. And I think the same thing goes. It's still like refereeing, isn't it? We all want this perfect sort of fault-free system, but it's just not really happen all the time is it so i think this is probably a situation like that where um it's happened it'll, it'll be a learning experience for a few people and, and ultimately player welfare will be the at the forefront of all the decisions moving forward so yeah good good insight on that one mate i think um question number two that's been submitted through patreon is 
what is doing with Josh Schuster? I think um, probably a concerned fantasy football manager there about rostering Josh Schuster, probably anticipating him being back around four to round six. Um, it's currently round seven and no name on the team sheet or the extended sheet there. What what do you think about Josh Schuster and his prospects for a return to footy soon? Yeah, mate. Uh, I myself am a concerned Josh Schuster owner. I was super it's confident. Oh, mate. Joshy yeah. Schuster. I drafted him very heavily in the preseason. Um, I, As I said, I, I, I've done some pretty good research into guys coming off syndesmosis injuries. There's a very low sort of, uh, you know, I guess performance effect when guys return. They tend to return pretty pretty well. I was high on Schuster coming out of last year, so I thought, yep, yeah, round four to six, pick me up at a discount, that'll be fine. Uh, look, it's just continuing on. Uh, by all accounts, all we've heard from Manly is that he's out of, re- out of the rehab group and has joined the team, uh, but still no sign of him on the team list. I did put out a bit of a tweet earlier this week being like, this is the biggest injury mystery of the year. Uh, I got, uh, well, actually, it ended up being quite a few responses. Look, we won't dive too heavily into this because, look, guys are under a fair bit of pressure as it is, but by all accounts, it's more a conditioning issue at this stage. Uh, So in other words, look, you know, that that can happen um, when we're in rehab and and, and a lot of the guys that we'll talk to will have a few player interviews during the the season. Um, You know, you can get down in rehab, uh, like that mental battle and, 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 you know, weight concerns and, and those kind of things, staying on top of diet, these kind of things. Yeah, it can be a challenge. So uh, if that is the case, look, nothing confirmed from Manly. And I mean, Des almost got, you know, directly asked about it the other day and, and sort of said, no, there's no delay. He had the full surgery, he said, and, and, and my argument be, well, there has not been an NRL player mm-hmm. take longer than nine weeks to return from this full surgery in the last three years. And she's is now at 10 and a half weeks. So, uh, yeah, there, I would say there's something going on there. Um, and, yeah, just hopefully Schuster's back out there as quickly as possible. Just on that left edge for Manly, and I think they're sort of lacking a bit of spark with him, aren't they? Just his ball-playing ability. Manly look like they're a little bit short on that. Obviously missing Tom Turbo as well, which is a big loss for, for any team. But, um, yeah, hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. Um in, in a similar sort of vein, but maybe a little bit different because he's sort of within his expected sort of time frame, is a is a um, a guy last year who played really really well for the Tigers and got injured late in the year. Adam Dwayne. Um, in terms of his expected return to the top grade, is he still on target for about a round ten to round fourteen return? Yeah, I, I'd say that's what you were looking at at this stage. I think he recently rejoined skills. I think yeah, start of April ish. Um, or no, sorry, it's not a March. So it, it, it look, it, he's looking around that 10 to 14 week mark. They're going to be a bit more conservative with him with this being his second ACL injury to the same knee. Uh, there's a fair bit of evidence out there that um, guys who are under 25 who suffer two ACL injuries, uh, they're about a 30 to 35% risk of suffering a third. So with those kind of numbers, yeah, Yeah. you're not going to take many risks. Uh, As a little teaser, hopefully we might get a bit of inside info um, on this story in the next week or so, hoping to... Um, yeah, have a chat to somebody who's got some pretty uh, pretty accurate information on on the topic. But yeah, I'd say uh, you'd be looking at around that. Yeah, round ten is probably the earliest, but probably more looking toward that round fourteen end. And then even when he does come back, expect a gradual return to full performance. 
Yeah, good stuff, mate. I think um, the next thing we were going to sort of chat through was um, Supercoach Corner. And I think, um, did you want to sort of explain to the listeners what Supercoach Corner was? It's all about? Yeah, 100%. So, look, like every week, we'll just as a bit of an ending segment, we'll identify one player. Um, one player who we want to talk about from a super coach perspective, who maybe we haven't talked about earlier in the podcast, just to have got our eye on a bit of a watch list um, in terms of our super coach over the next, you know, the coming weeks. And then we'll talk through our trades for the week. Um, so, yeah, James, I'll, I'll rely on you to sort of identify this player every week and then I'll give my, uh, you know, very uh, valuable insight, I'm sure. But uh, what player have you chosen for us this week? Yeah, I chose one a little bit left field. And um, he's someone that I haven't really thought about rostering in standard as such, but I have in the in the past. And he's been a fairly highly um, averaging player in the past. And that's Wade Graham. And I guess the, the backstory to Wade Graham was he had an ankle syndrome Moses injury in a trial game in early March, I think, from memory. So he had surgery with that. And obviously with that sort of surgery, have a six to eight week expected time frame on his return. And I think as it is now, he'd probably be at around about seven weeks. And he's another one that hasn't sort of made the team injury list um, similar to Josh Schuster, although he's a little bit um, earlier on in his sort of rehab and recovery there. And I just think someone like him is a real really interesting name in that the Sharks draw gets a little bit softer and, you know, their left edge is full of attacking upside there with Mulatalo and um, Talakai just absolutely ripping it up. Um, Teague Wilton, who's been on that edge, has been really good and really solid. So I'm interested to see how he um, how this plays out for the Sharks there and how many minutes he sees and what sort of an average he, he, he sort of gets. He has had some injury concerns of, of recent memory, especially with... Um, concussions as well in the last few years but before that he's been a 60 point average player his price is 350 grand so he's someone that i think is a worthy sort of keep an eye on him just as just to see what happens there especially because the sharks just um they're absolutely flying aren't they they're playing really really good footy at the moment they're um they're really 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 good shot at a, a top four cementing that spot um, 100 mate being a force in finals time yeah, no, I think it's a really good call. Um, my my big thing, and I mentioned it earlier, is that these guys coming back from syndesmosis injuries, they like I've done a pretty deep dive into Patreon, so there's another plug on Patreon um, if you want to go over and check it out. Uh, but yeah, guys just return really, really well. Um, the stats back it up. The, these this new tightrope surgery, well, it's not new now, but you know, in in recent years, the tightrope surgery that they do, they just come back, they accelerate the rehab, they come back performing really, really well. Uh, so yeah, like I, I think it's a really good shout. That the only I guess hesitation I have, which is outside of the injury realm, is that there's just so many good players uh, in and around the edges yeah, for the Sharks. Deep are they? Yeah, like is they deep? So that's really that's that's the thing. Is he going to get the minutes to start? Like, do they kind of ease him back? It has been seven weeks now. Um, you know, like if it extends to eight, nine weeks, there might be a bit of okay. Well, we've got to ease him back in, get some match fit- fitness, that kind of thing. T. Wilton's absolutely killing it. So he's someone who, like, I think I probably wouldn't pick him straight back up when he's back in the side. Just sort of eyeball his minutes but as a little cheap sort of option over that origin period is a bit of a pod don't mind it at all mm. yeah nice one and i think on the on the sort of the trade in for this week front i, I guess um 
when you look at it, the landscape now in, in, in sort of super coach, I think, you know, Harry Grant, Talakai and Cleary, they're just standing out as must-haves, aren't they? I think you just, yeah. if you're looking to go Dynamic. big and get, get hype in the rankings, that you just got to find a way to get, get them into your squad, um, you know, no matter what they cost, I think. So I'm one of the unfortunate um, managers who doesn't have either of those players in my team at the moment. So I've got to <laughs> um, make some tough decisions to somehow get one or well, hopefully all of them ASAP into my team. But um, the other people I was sort of thinking of from a from a trading point of view, I was really keen on um, David Nofaluma, who's been a, a favourite of mine and a heart pick of mine in the past. And then he's gone and scored two, four tries in two weeks. So I just think I might have missed the boat there on some pretty decent price what, price rises. And I guess the other people that I've sort of just got a sneaky eye on would be, um, you know, Cody Walker is his price bottoming out. Um, you know, the South Sydney draw gets a bit softer. Um, and in terms of a downgrade in the, in the standard wing position would be a bloke like, you know, Suwali or, you know, I guess with Tommy Turbo returning soon, then then Jason Saab's really leaking a lot of cash. And if he can just get Tommy Turbo back and go on a bit of a streak, then he might be one that you can sort of flip to a bit of cash there would be the other people that I'd be keen on. Do you have any sort of trades in mind at this early stage on Sunday night? Yeah, I, I've got Suwali already. Um, I, I'll give myself a wrap here. I'm sitting in like, oh... I don't know. I think it's about two hundredth in classic. My best, uh, my best ever classic uh, ranking. I reckon. I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I've thankfully got Grant Talakai and Cleary, which is good. So, uh, brought in Suwali last mate, week. Flying, oh, but mate, I tell you what, I am burning through the trades like an absolute fiend. I am a trade aholic when it comes to classic <laughs> because, yeah, look, as I, you I, should be. Yeah, as I'm more be. more a draft man, as you know. Uh, so, yeah, when it comes to classic, I trade early, trade hard, and then just coast for the last six weeks without any trades because I've planned so well as my as an injury expert, and I predict every injury that's going to happen. So I never that's get right. struck with them that's in right. the last six weeks. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's a fair play because you want to sort of use up your, your trades and hopefully you can Bradbury your way to to something <laughs> yeah. decent at the end, don't you? That's that's my plan every year, and it's worked not very well. But uh, yeah, definitely Mate, got mine, Cody Walker. Bradbury, don't worry. Yeah, got mine, Cody Walker, and Saab's a great shout. I'm probably going to wait till Turbo's name, but then all over him. Yeah, because he's he's getting sort of quite cheap at the moment, and I think you know he's a starting winger. Yeah, he doesn't base very well, but he's just got the ability to score multiple tries um, when Manly sort of get rolling home. Hundred percent, mate. All right. Well, look, that might wrap up the uh, the Super Coach uh, corner for this week. Now, just as a special treat, uh, first episode. Uh, look, I know we're about fifty minutes in now. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll definitely shorten these episodes moving forward so that uh, you guys can have it a nice bite sized uh, you know podcast on your Monday morning. So, thanks for bearing with us. But, uh, yeah, for the first episode, thought we'd get on um, a big guest to sort of talk through. He's a guy who I've wanted to talk to for ages. Uh, He's, you know, Turbo's had one of those pretty rough trots with hamstring injuries which different NRL players have faced in their time so we're going to have a bit of a uh, bit of an interview with Turbo here just talking through his hamstring issues he's conveniently off with a an MCL injury at the moment so we'll get an update on that and then um, yeah look we'll, we'll try and do these from time to time I won't promise a, an interview every week trying to get some you know NRL players ex-NRL players we'll get some club medicos on as well even though there's some club medicos who wouldn't be caught dead talking to me but 
<laughs> we'll see how we go. <laughs> Don't name any, mate. Oh, yeah, mate. I'll keep, be listening. Yeah, that's right. I'll keep, be listening. Keep my mouth shut. But, uh, yeah, look, we'll try and get some people on. I want you guys to have insights into what goes on in the NRL world surrounding injuries, uh, particularly around those players and ex-players, but also docs as well and, and how they approach these things. So, yep, hope you enjoy. And drive the kick straight to Dubovic. Oh, no. The star of this team, a star of the league, is set to be sidelined again. The hammy has gone as we resume in the second half. All right. I'm really excited to welcome to the show Tom Trebojevic. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate you, you having a chat. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. No, no worries, mate. So, look, I'd always hope to get you on for something like this to talk about, you know, the challenges of your hamstring rehabs and, and stuff like that. But I guess the timing's obviously a little bit unfortunate as you're currently off with that high-grade MCL injury. So, look, I, I guess we have to do a quick check-in. Um, I saw some details, and it sounds like sort of an avulsion of the MCL from that tibia, that lower leg bone. Like, how did surgery go, and how's the recovery been so far? Yep, yep. Um trying to spot on there, trying to um, pull the MCL off the tibia, but surgery went well, and yeah, back, like, moving around pretty well, um, you know, a bit of light running on the field and stuff like that, so that um, no, feels good, obviously got still a bit to go, but um, yeah, feeling good so far. Yeah, and with those MCLs, I mean, you, you probably, if you want to tear it anyway, it's it's the way you've done it, right? Because the, you know, if you tear it through the middle, the, the actual sort of reconstruction surgery knocks you out for almost that three-month period. But, I mean, you're at the moment, I think last I heard, aiming for about four to six weeks. Is that right? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I think, yeah, kind of thumbs up there, but it's obviously the best place to do it. You don't want to do anything. But, um, you know, in terms of surgery and, um, you know, re-injury rate, I think it's the best place to do it. So, um, fingers crossed there, but, um, you know, we'll get it right and we'll see how we go. Awesome, mate. Now, look, we'll, before we jump into injuries in the NRL, something I always like, sort of, you know, just a quick question on, but, like, how did you go as a kid growing up? Did you have any significant injury issues as a teenager, like, you know, coming through the grades and those kind of things, or did you only get exposed to it sort of once you're in the NRL? Um, no, I've only really been exposed to it once. I've been in the NRL, nothing really too major as a kid. Um, yeah, it's more just been an NRL thing. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's the way to be, I guess, is trying to get through, and that helps you sort of hit the ground running once you get in there. Um, so, look, yeah. we'll, like, we'll, we'll jump straight in. Like, 2019, the pre-season trial was that first left hamstring strain, and that was followed by another two strains to the same hamstring in the next 18 months. Like, with each recurrence, like, what were you and the medical staff approaching, like, rehab-wise? Were you just going back over the same processes? Are you looking for sort of different alternative protocols with each one that happens? Like, how are you approaching that? No, we're definitely um, looking at different ty- different things once it, um, you know, kept happening. So, um, you know, I did the first one, the trial game, came about, about five weeks later, and then uh, that was a high proximal um, high proximal tendon, um, and then did that, did that same one a bit worse, you know, two games back. We definitely looked at, um, you know, new things each time, um, and it was obviously very hard at early, early stages. I hadn't been exposed to a hammer injury before, and, um, you know, kind of, I didn't have any issue in, in, in coming back feeling good, but it was more around how does, you know, this 
Terry stopped it to keep happening because, you know, you feel good and all of a sudden it just goes on you. So, um, yeah, it was a bit hard there at times, but we definitely found new things and I think we've got a really good balance at the moment. You know, we've talked to some really, you know, smart people that have done a lot of research in the area and, um, you know, I think we found that, that balance to, you know, just be able to go there consistently each week and be confident that, um, you know, you can, you, can, you know, yeah, be confident that yeah, how many chickens are going to be hold up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, look, like I mean, everyone who's listening and and you know, or has probably seen the pregame routines that you run through. You know, heard the stories about you doing extra sprinting sessions after games because you didn't cover enough high speed meters. But like, is there anything in particular you did in the more recent rehabs that you place a lot of value in that you didn't do with the earlier ones? Like, obviously, as you said, you haven't re-injured that left hammy, and you know, it's nearly two years now and over one year for the right. So. Is, is there anything that you put that down to in particular? Do you feel it's like a lot of luck? Where, where do you sort of sit with that? Well, I think I felt with the left hammy, I was doing it all the same way. Um, and that's kind of the reason the problem for me is the left side. And I was doing a more quick return, stepping off it, and um, just finding, doing a lot of work on that left foot step, mechanically how to improve it to put less stress on, on the outside of your hammy. And uh, I think that, that's helped me a lot. You know, I've got a new speed coach that was, was really good with that. And, uh, we had a lot of a, a more eccentric focus, and um, we've seen these people down in Melbourne that were um, all about fastball length and um, yeah, pretty high tech stuff. But what they kind of say is the, the more eccentric loading and high speed running you expose yourself to, um, the more durable you'll be. So um, yeah, I think that those two areas combined have been really effective, and and you know, now being able to implement the training program that we, we did that last year. Training for the same training program, um, work well for us. Yeah, getting those hamstrings long and strong, I think, is the uh, you know the the short, idea. Yeah. yeah, no. Well, look like, and you mentioned, I think the you know the stepping, like the the way that you were doing it. I know that was a bit of a bit of a challenge for you, and, and it's definitely not, I guess, the typical way to do it. I, I mean, this is probably pertinent to talk about because we've actually actually just had like Latrell Mitchell he, he suffered his hamstring injury in the same way so I think you know people yep. would be extra interested in, in this kind of thing is there did you t- like in talking to the you know the hamstring gurus that you saw or the people the medical staff at, at the club were you doing anything differently hamstring wise than say somebody would because obviously the more common way to do is just that straight line sprinting was there anything you had to implement differently to say somebody who did it in that straight line way? Um, I would have to put it into my, um, like, coming back from, from injury, I kind of put it into my program, my return to play program. But I think, um, like, just mechanically, like, I found that, um, you know, it wasn't, the way I was stepping was loading up the outside of my, my hammy and it obviously couldn't handle the um, what I was being exposed to. So um, once I realised that um, over a number of training sessions last last preseason. Um, you know, I I made that a big part of my my training program. I still do a lot of it each week about just focusing on. It's more just like stepping off the inside of your foot. Um, you know, it puts less stress on the outside of your hammy, and that's kind of you know. Yeah, so technically, yeah, an easy way of putting it if you load up the inside of your foot, you won't load up the outside of your hammock kind of thing. So once I realised that, um, a bit of a light bulb moment for me. Uh, it was pre-season last year, 
um, yeah, just hit that very hard, worked hard on that, and um, you know, it's you know been feeling good. You know, you never know what's going to happen, but hopefully, oh, mate, yeah. you know, it continues to work for me, and um, you know, move forward. Oh, 100%. And I mean, as I said, you've you've really been nailing it so far. So, you know, you keep doing what you're doing. You did mention, like, you still do it these days. Are you doing as much sort of, you know, around your hammies, like, say, now as you did sort of mid, you know, 2020, 2021? Are you, are you still sort of incorporating that heavily into your training or have you kind of tapered off a little bit with the hamstring sort of, you know, central stuff? No, it's sort of, sort of a fair bit of it. Um, there's a few little food boys that are in a little hammy crew that we've got going. Well, not like the um, bit of bad issues that we, um, you know, got extras we're going to do each week. And, um, you know, yeah, you still... I uh, compare it to last year, like, it's, you, you're not doing as much when you're in Rio because obviously you're, you're not playing. But, like, once, you, once you're playing, you've got, like, a two sessions, two, three sessions you've got to tick off each week that, um, you know, that get you right to, yeah. to, to play each week. Yeah, hundred percent. And you mentioned the the few guys sort of in in that group that kind of do it and stuff like that. That was something that I just wanted to touch on. Like, do you, do you lean on guys like Kieran Four and you know guys who have been there before? Do they give you you know like a lot of support? I guess a lot of guidance through that kind of thing because it seems like you're both absolutely killing it now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you, you, you take a lot from other people. You know, obviously Foz is one of the an absolute legend, a great player and a great bloke, and. Um, you know, he's obviously been through a lot and seen him come back and play the way he's playing at the moment. It, it, um, it's awesome to see because, you know, he, he deserves it. And, um, you know, he's put in a lot of work off the field and it's, it's good to see him, um, you know, be rewarded for it. Yeah, 100%. Now, look, I, I want to talk about rehab progress because, like, one thing I sort of strike with patients is, is is definitely sort of people expecting that that rehab process to be quite linear. So, in other words, kind of every day is better than the last. So, I think from your perspective, I know sort of I was looking back and that third hamstring injury, it ended up being a little bit longer than you expected, about sort of 13 weeks when initially the hope was kind of said to be about eight weeks. So did you find with your rehab progress, did you always find it was smooth sailing? Like, you know, or did you have some days that were better than others? Did you have setbacks? How, how did you see that process playing out? Well, yeah, that was probably the hardest one. Um, you know, obviously in the middle of, middle of COVID and, um, yeah, tore it down the bottom, which is um, um, not as, as enjoyable as the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, had some, you know, bad days with it and just, um, yeah, it took a lot longer than expected, but um, yeah, it was, it was it was very hard. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and those. Yeah, it's just that up and down, that up and down nature. I think it's the like you know, like what you've experienced there. It is um, unfortunately, it's quite yeah, quite common in those hamstring injuries. And as you say, so like yeah. really tough to deal with when you get halfway through a rehab process, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it pops up again and gives you more pain. So yeah, it's. It can be really quite tough. So, look, another one, like the hamstring injuries, they were split up in a way. You had the pec rupture at the end of 2019, a shoulder injury at the end of 2020. Now, obviously, we know that those aren't really related to those hamstring injuries, but it didn't stop, you know, people, media, fans going, oh, he's injury prone and that kind of stuff. So when the injuries have been genuinely just bad luck and bad timing, but, like, your body is almost getting publicly kind of blamed for it in a way, like, does that public perception, you know, uh, like that difference between public perception and reality for you, does that ever get to you? Are you good at kind of blocking out that, you know, outside noise? 
Um, it wasn't. No, the, the public perception was not really whatever bothered me. It was obviously like, you know, I wanted to be playing footy and I wasn't. So like, what they were saying was, you know, not nothing more than what I was already thinking. Not yeah. not like to that extent, but like, obviously, you know, I'm a, you know, an important part of this really team. And I'm, you know, especially in 2020, where you know, we had a hard year, you're sitting on the sideline watching. It's um, it's quite tough in that that retrospect and you know you can't really do much to help a footy team out on the sideline and that's where I was had been for the past two years so it was very hard mentally um, getting through that but it wasn't more the um, you know what the public said it was more internally what I was thinking and um, you know I just wanted to be able to play footy and um, you you know be out there with the boys yeah, 100%. And I like, you know, you get those dark times during rehab and that's, uh, you know, something that I wanted to touch on was that mental side. So did you, like, did you ever have times where you, you know, you had doubt in the body or you felt like you were losing hope or you, you know, pretty good at kind of staying on top of that mental side of things? Well, I was I was good at knowing that I, I could get back out there and um, feel good again. Um, it was, especially after that third left hammy one, it was just like, how do we stop this happening? Like, yeah. Um, you know, I felt like the rehab process was before with tick the boxes, I feel good, like I'm ready to play, etc. Like body feels good but then it goes in you again. So that that was more just like how do we what do we need to implement to stop this because you know, you can't keep can't keep happening. Oh mate, yeah. But by, by the uh, by, the third time, I think you know, as much as you know, everybody from the outside looking was frustrated. Um, like I, I'm sure the feeling was you know magnified times a hundred with yourself. So yeah. completely understandable. Now, um, weekly time spent associated on rehab, mate. That's something that you know. Once again, I get you know my punters who come in and see me, and they say you know Tom Trebojevic has come back from his grade one hamstring in you know three four weeks. Why why is it taking me seven eight nine weeks? You know those kind of things. So for you know when you're in the thick of it, when you're just coming back from an injury, what's what's your week like in in terms of you know hours spent on well not only rehab at the club too, but looking after your body at home, diet, you know sleep, those kind of things. Like is it pretty much a twenty four seven gig? Oh yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty close to it. Like, um, yeah, I know now. You like, I've just done a fair few hours in the training, and um, you know now I've been home, icing up and doing some other stuff. So it's it pretty, it's pretty much like that. Um, you know, we're we're very like it's kind of our full time job. So, yeah. um, you know, it's hard for you know the punters to put that much time into it, but we kind of need to, and we're expected to. So, um. Yeah, you, you spend a fair bit of time on it. Yeah, and when you're injured, you in in at the club every day getting treatment in those early phases. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's that's probably a big difference. I well, think that's after, that's after the battle. Yeah, we have access to um, you know some, some very very good you know, physios, doctors, um, you know people like that, and like even surgeons. And you know, we we um, you know we're very lucky in that respect. Yeah, 100%. Now, one thing that I wanted to sort of bust a rumour or, or confirm a rumour really is that, you know, there was all that talk back when you were kind of coming back from the hammies and, and, and look, you know, reduction in load or controlling load is, is obviously a way that we help with mitigating that hamstring injury risk. Did you ever actually consider a, a move to centre? Uh, 
No. Never it at all. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. But it was everywhere, um, mate. Every, it was all everyone was saying, and so I, I, I didn't think you would, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I, well, I honestly don't really read it too much. Like, I don't have, even have social media or anything. So, like, I don't really hear what other people are saying, but that was never really... Um, no, I, I enjoy playing fullback, love playing fullback. I, I never even thought about playing centre, so... Well, not, not, not like, for manly. Like, I enjoy... Like, oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you play yeah. play where you need to play for New South Wales, mate. Of course, but um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it was just yeah. just in that reduction in load and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it, it, like I can see the merits in it, but you know, especially in your case, like if you you want to be fit enough to play your best, right? Like you want to play, be fit enough and and safe enough to play the best position that you can, you know, help the team on the field. So I think. Um, yeah, I think sticking a full yeah. pack was definitely the way to go. Um, another yeah. one, how do you feel about like turnarounds between games and recovery? I know this is a topic that comes up every year and like I know last year was probably the first time I'd almost seen you sort of take a couple of rests after after playing Origin and I assume that was mainly around sort of managing those loads with the hammies. But how do you find sort of pulling up a couple of days later, say after an Origin, like a shorter turnaround versus a longer turnaround? Where, where do you sit with that? Um, you obviously feel better on longer turnarounds. It was um, all the, the um, rest after Origin was all to do with, with the hammy load and yep. stuff like that. Um, like I didn't feel too bad. Like I wanted to play, um, but it was was the case, and I won both games, so it didn't really matter. But um, yeah, look, obviously the longer the better. Origin makes it harder, and um, you know if you get a five day turnaround, it makes it a little bit harder too. But um, normally I, I'm not too bad. I, don't do some of the work that the you know, the middle guys the do. Big boppers. Um, you um you come. I think the more you you play, the the better you get with it. So um, it's kind of just about staying out there, and um you know that that helps in you know overall picture. Hundred percent. Now, like overall, I think look, we've we've talked through a fair few components there. But would you say, like, if there's someone listening who's you know struggling with a hamstring injury or recurring hamstring injuries or something like that, what would you say is the the most important piece of advice that you've learnt about rehabbing those those hamstring issues that you've had? Um. Yeah. Look, it's, it's a hard it's a hard one because like if I'm sitting in a spot, I'm um, you know, I was. You know, it was, it was a hard time, like hard to work out what the problem is. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, sometimes it's, for me, I was, I kind of let go of, you know, I was I always wanted to know why it was happening, why this yeah. was doing it, what, but it was just about finding, you know, solutions. So, um, you know, once I found, like, oh yeah, I think everyone's individual kind of thing. Like oh, I found what, what worked for me, and um, you know, and. Just, just worked with it and worked hard on it and continued and never got complacent with it. So, um, for throwing out there, like, you know, you got to find what works, what works best for you and, um, be confident and, um, you know, that you make sure you put in the work each week that you can go out there and play footy at the best level and not have to worry about it. So, um, yeah, it's kind of be question as to, yeah, you know, yeah, no, look, what, what works best and then, you know, you just got to, 
keep doing it. Yeah, I think you got to give yourself credit too, man, because you know, like to get on top of something like that. I think me as a physio, I always say it's as much, you're absolutely right. It's finding that right recipe for yourself, but it's about hard work. You know, it's about, and it's not that yeah, you weren't yeah. working hard in those early stages, of course, but you know, the work that you've put in, sort of to now, as I said, be years past um, those hamstring injuries. It's just a credit to the you know the hard work that you put in. I think, which is yeah, just a credit no, to you, really. No, thank you. Yeah, it's all kind of back to it. Like, we get, you know, we're in there every day, so we've got a lot of time, so it, um, it helps, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Now, a couple of fun ones to finish, mate. Uh, you know, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit and say, did you ever get, like, you know, I hear it being a physio, got people come in and give me these crazy solutions for injuries, you know, oh, my uncle said to, you know, rub this horse gel on it and, and blah, blah, blah. So did you get any crazy bits of advice that you just thought, like when you were struggling with your hammy, did you get any, you know, right out of the box you know, suggestions from people, and, and what what was the craziest one? Oh, you got some weird ones. I can't even like a lot of messages on um uh, Instagram stuff that see this person that to that will be able to help you. And um, yeah, I can't even think of the craziest yeah. ones, but um, there were some out out there ones. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. They always they always seem to come out of the woodworks. And then uh, two good ones. Give me the toughest teammate. So your teammate who, you know, as injured as they are, just, you know, will keep going, doesn't seem to phase them. And then your softest teammates, the teammate who, you know, breaks a nail and just can't seem to go on. Um, toughest teammate will... Um, Josh Hathaway played a fair bit with it. It was an AC injury on the weekend. And it, that looked very sore. Um, Tamale Olaquati played like a full game with double fractured in his in his hand last year. That was um, jeez, it's pretty terrific. So, so, did, so did Parks did that as well, but he cried a bit more than than <laughs> did. But um, so they're all pretty tough. The softest teammate, a little bit of softest. Maybe Ruben Gag, just a bit of a pretty boy. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's all right, mate. I won't. I won't dob you in. I promise. Yeah. There's always, you know, there's always one in every team, mate. So I just thought I'd, uh, I'd see if there was one that stood out. But uh, no, mate. Look, I, I really appreciate you coming on. As I said, especially being the first episode, I, I've, I've always meant to sort of get you on for a bit of a chat because I know um, these hamstring injuries. You know, while they affected you, they affect plenty of people out there. There's a reason that they have such a high recurrence rate. They are really tough to get on top of. So hopefully, you know, if there's people out there listening, they'll they'll get a bit of insight into into how you got on top of yours, and that'll help them and yeah look really appreciate you coming on oh good thanks mate appreciate it no worries mate here's Tom Travojevic into open space he puts the foot down against Brimson and he wins the race he's back Turbo Tom hits the gas and he scores for the Seagull all right, guys, uh, that's the Tommy Turbo interview. Obviously, big thanks to Tommy for coming on board, um, having a chat, especially for the first episode. It was a, yeah, a massive, massive thing for him to do, and it was, yeah, just really good to sort of chat through everything in regards to his hammies, and, and hopefully you guys learned a little bit or you can relate to him or, you know, it, it gave you some more guidance on, on, on stuff that you're 
suffering, or it just gave you a bit of insight into uh, into what these guys go through. Hopefully, we'll have a few more. So, look, that's a wrap for the pod for week one. Um, look, like I do, I will apologise for the length. It's it's not always going to be this long, guys. We we usually be aiming for around that half an hour, thirty five minutes um, for you know a usual week because we can jump straight into the injuries and stuff like that. We won't have to introduce our boring lives or anything like that. Um, and then and then if there's a player interview, it might stretch out to that 40, 45 minutes. But I think that'll probably be worth your time if we can get some good players on to, to chat through their injuries. Uh, look, if you like the pod, uh, look, really appreci- appreciate it if you gave us a, a review on, you know, Spot- Spotify, Apple, uh, you know, Whatever, whatever you listen to, Google's the other big one, I think, um, or recommend it to a friend. Let them know. I think there's a lot of, you know, super coach fantasy people out there who are listening. Tell you know, tell some other. I'm sure you've got plenty of league mates who who might be interested. Maybe you don't want to tell your league mates because it's uh, you know some good information. But yeah, hopefully spread it around. The the bigger it gets, the better, obviously, and the more good reviews we get. Uh, I believe new to the podcast game, but that drives us up the up the board of of recommendation and stuff like that. Once again, if you want. More more info like this. I'm pumping it out all week. Uh, Patreon.com slash NRL Physio. And James, thank you for giving up your Monday or Sunday nights moving forward. Uh, really looking forward to chatting to you for the rest of the season. Sounds good, Ryan. Love your work. And um, I'll catch you on Patreon and then chat to you on the weekend, eh? Sounds good, mate. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy the week and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.